Welcome to The Great Unlearn. Join me, your host, Cal, as we dive deep into understanding and unlearning the programming within us. Let's uncover your inner truth for a life with newfound purpose and freedom. Get ready to question it all in The Great Unlearn. There is an assault on diversity of perspectives. I'm not a fan of people thinking like me. I'm a fan of people thinking for themselves. And God help us all if we all thought one way. And what comes out of your own miraculous mind, I don't care what it is. What I care about is you're using your own mind. The mission now is freedom from fear. Because I can't argue with how you feel. And I don't want to. I want to know how you feel. I want to know why you feel that And then let's explore that in both of us. I think a better term for fact checkers would be narrative validators. Horse shit doesn't trigger people. Plain it safe, vanilla statements, agreeable shit doesn't trigger anybody, but it doesn't help anybody either. The one thing that's in my control is I can love every damn day as much as I can. And I can always do my best. Dear son, please know I'm not going to weaponize love and withhold it when you're not fitting what you think I want you to be. And I'll love who you are, not who I want you to be. To me, that is the greatest hope any child could have for their parents to relate to them. I hope to awaken people to the wisdom of their hearts and the intelligence of their minds. So I think we're living in a drought of fulfillment. And I think the only way we can fulfill ourselves is by following our own heart. Dude, welcome to the show. Um, Lots changed since the last time you were on the show. This was back in the early days of COVID, social distancing. We did the whole thing, walking in the yard and kept our distance. Yeah, that was the very early days. I I think we were, you know, I I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I would say it was so early that I was like, Cool, like social distancing. I'm on board, hundred percent to the team. Fucking rubber gloves on. You had a big rubber uh, rip in your rubber glove. <laughs> I felt like, all right, someone's gonna die because of that rip. <laughs> Both lived. Yeah, five bads. But yeah, man, it's it's been. I think ten years have gone by in the past year since we were on the podcast. Yeah, really. I mean, we sat down. It was almost yeah. It would have been you know just a little over ten months ago, and. Yes, like you, right? I was in the same situation. I had my mom staying here, which was awesome. Thankfully, she was here and felt really, you know, kind of within the family during that time. But uh, yeah, we were all doing the best we could with the information that we were given. Yeah. Now, you, you seem to turn the corner on that sooner than, certainly sooner than me, but, but a lot of people. And um, it certainly has completely changed the way you've shown up what what kind of uh turn your your comedy really has has taken and i mean i really want to unpack some of that today because when we sat down last you were doing the friday night live uh comedy shows yeah you did that for a number of weeks how many weeks did you do that a couple months i did it uh for nine weeks in a row so the first nine weeks of quarantine and you know quarantine was if we all remember, it was starting off to be like, hey, we're doing this for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And we're that two weeks is coming up on about a year, yeah. uh, depending on where you live. But yeah, I did the first nine weeks. And and I, I, I think I 
I stopped for a couple of reasons. One, in-person comedy shows came up uh, down in San Antonio. So it's like, awesome. God bless Texas. San Antonio yeah. opened up. So I was able to do shows down there. So that kind of broke the cycle. But also, nine weeks in, I, I became uh, very disheartened with the mainstream narrative and kind of like, okay, everybody's in quarantine you know, in the beginning, everybody's in quarantine. We're all in this together. So I wanted to do the Friday night still alive live stream comedy shows as a way of like supporting people. Like, man, I know kind of like this is tough, but like here's one night we're going to have a good time. And, but then when I started to like have a different perspective than a lot of what was, you know, being fed to us in the news about why we're in lockdown, it's like, well, now I, I don't, really agree with all these measures. So uh, it broke the cycle. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, what was it for you? And maybe, I mean, it's, it's probably a series of things. I think for me, it was like a series of things that I just couldn't deny anymore that uh, there was something You're a conspiracy amiss. theorist, Cal. Yes. <laughs> yes. Censored. <laughs> yeah. And I wonder, you know, I, I wonder like in your research to do your Friday Night Still Alive, was that where you started to uncover these things? Like, wait, shit's not adding up? Because a lot of us were mm. just going about living our lives. And for me, personally, we're sitting here in Austin. The weather's great. I have an amazing family that I really enjoy spending time with. I was actually able to go to another place on, you know, in, into the guest house to do my work. Yeah. And so I actually had separation. So that probably made me love my family even more. <laughs> so now that I think about that, maybe uh, that aside, I wasn't really anxious to get back to what we used to have. I would go down, we'd, we'd get food from Red Ash all the time. And I loved driving downtown because it was like a ghost town. Mm -hmm. And it was like, wow, this is really cool. And you weren't seeing really planes in the air and you could hear the birds and there was no traffic. Mm -hmm. Really enjoyed that. Now, I say that, you know, unfortunately I have to give the caveat that I understand that a lot of people were suffering during that time, but just in the, the container I was in, I was fine. And I was reading mainstream media stuff and was like, oh, okay, like we're still on this lockdown. Like I'm okay. Like I didn't have a job that got affected by it. And again, like we were sitting here as a family, the kids seemed to be doing okay for the first couple months. And then each of them really had a hard time yeah. in different ways. Um, and here's a, you know, they have a pretty good situation here in our house. They have plenty of, you know, uh, property to play on. We played a lot of basketball. We did a lot of things as a family. But even those kids, and we weren't on their ass to school. We just let them do whatever they really wanted to. Because like, this, this is a joke. Like, we yeah. don't expect much of you. And even they were having a really hard time. Yeah, man, a lot of people were, and and I and I think, I think where I started to have a, a different perspective than the mainstream media's narrative. And I'll preface it with this: I'm a I'm a huge fan of people thinking for themselves. I'm not a huge fan of everybody think like me. It's like no, I have red hair. That's my only academic qualification. <laughs> yes, it's very red. So. I'm not a fan of people thinking like me. I'm a fan of people thinking for themselves and God help us all. If we all thought one way, like how boring would life be? Nobody would ever learn. There'd be, 
never different perspectives. There would be no debate to uh, chisel away what doesn't work. God help us all. But I love when people think for themselves. And I think one of the challenges for thinking for ourselves is laziness. You know, we Mm -hmm. can turn on the news, for example, and have our thinking done for us. If we treat our mind as a holding tank for thoughts that are not our own. Mm. And, uh, you know, I kind of think like the news, I I saw some recent polls, I forget the, what they are, but let's just say like most people don't trust the news anymore. Ah. News flash. Like (laughs) it's, it's, it's not really objective. It's, you know, they've got their spin, they've got their fear mongering It increases ratings you know, at least that's my perspective. They're a business. They are a business. And I personally think when someone gets their news from the news, it's like getting financial advice from a poor person. Mm. And I think a great place to get our news from is through our eyeballs and our own interpretation of what we see and sense. And then we compute that with our own miraculous mind. And what comes out of your own miraculous mind I don't care what it is. What I care about is you're using your own mind. So that be my perspective. I like to use my mind. And, you know, so when I, I think it was somewhere in April, might've been the first week of May, but there's a study that came out of USC. And this study, like I thought it was good news, like, you know, scientific study, which science is awesome. Yes. And it was showing how like the infection rates for the virus were like way higher in LA County anyway, way higher than we thought they were, which meant so many people were like asymptomatic. And it's, we were kind of like, oh, this is great news. Like we were told like millions are going to die, but like, this is great news. Like it's, you know, it's a virus. It's to be taken with note, but like, Cool. This is good news. We're the not, survival rate is much higher. Yeah, I think you do the math. It was twenty four to forty, uh, twenty two to forty four times higher of a survival rate <laughs> than what we were originally told. Great, statistically significant. Some would say, but then the uh, the lockdown measures it weren't being adjusted accordingly. So. Looking at that, I'm like, hey, I'm a fan of thinking for myself. I, there's some studies here, this research, some other sources. Look at that. And I'm like, all right, based on everything I can see, my opinion is that uh, you know this lockdown isn't really just about the virus. So that's about the time when I started to um, take a turn with my work. And I, at the time, I didn't know I was taking a turn with yeah. my work, but that was the beginning of the turn. And since then, you know, the past nine months, yeah, my work, my mission has changed. And, and the, the mission now is freedom from fear, freedom, and hopefully having some fun along the way. I love, uh, I love a lot of that. One of the things is most important is you're talking about people having their own experience with their eyes. And then how does what's going on make you feel when you look at it through your own eyes? And then let's talk about that. Because I can't argue with how you feel. And I don't want to. I want to know how you feel. I want to know why you feel that. And then let's explore that in both of us. 
And then maybe we can kind of figure out what's going on. Yeah. Right. And I also love most of all is you said, I, I didn't know it was my work. I just, you just were following your heart. Like, this is what I'm going to, Oh, this is interesting to me. This is, this makes me feel alive to really investigate this and then mix it in with some comedy, which is your gift and then share it. And, and I've told you this a number of times now, and this may sound silly to people who don't really know JP, but if you've watched his videos, you've really been one of the main sources of news for me because <laughs> as, help you, Cal. as silly as that sounds, but I, I, I get you because I know we've talked about this. I know the amount of research you do. Sure. You're not just up there impromptu, just willy nilly. And I'd love to talk about your process for these videos that you've been putting out. Like, can you tell the people like what actually the process is like that it's not you just kind of uh, winging it? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, if I'm doing a video on a, a topical issue in society, whether it's virus related, uh, politics, um, you know, I'll, uh, I, I don't take it lightly that you know, at a minimum, hundreds of thousands of people will see this video. And while I'm a comedian and I'm, I'm the first to say, don't get your news from me, but I don't take it lightly that a lot of people watch my stuff. So I, I don't get up there and make up facts. Uh, I'll take you know, information from as clean of a source as I can get. Sometimes it's information that the news is reporting. So it's like, cool, I'm going to play with that information. Sometimes it's information from the CDC. Um, so I, I do a lot of research to get these raw materials. It's kind of like if a, the chef, before he starts making the meal, he sources the best ingredients he can find. So it's going to be a, as pure of a meal as he can and well, do, and do you have any sous chefs on staff that actually bring the information to? Because you get that's a lot of work to try to dig in. Like, who do you have people that are sending you information from trusted sources? Um, sure, like not on staff, not like formally on right, team, right, I guess, yeah. but yeah, you know, uh, I've got friends, I've got friends in high places, I've got friends in low places, in porta potties, yeah, right, right. And so, you know, I'll. There's a, yeah, yes is the short answer. There's a lot of articles I'll be sent from, you know, sources that, you know, they're, they're barred on um, social media. So they're kind of hard to come by. So it's like, oh, cool. Thank you for sending me this. Let me take a look and see what I think. And maybe I'll be compelled to look a little further into one or two of the nuances in this source. So, yeah, man, there, I mean, there's, all kinds of information being passed. And what are just, I think it's really important for people to hear this part in particular, because so much of us are drawn to the social media and what we see there. And with so many people being suppressed, censored, deplatformed, who are some of these sources? What are some of the sources that you seek out that we can't get on Instagram or Facebook? Yeah, man, you know, so um, there's a, phenomenal article. Uh, I don't know if I sent it to you, but a phenomenal article about the scientific illegitimacy of, I think it's the PCR uh, COVID yeah. test. And again, I'm not a scientist, but I'm just referencing this article. And it's like, cool, like Tony Robbins sent me that. 
like, awesome. I'm going to take a look at this article. He's an awesome person. He's someone who I believe he thinks for himself. And he's a friend of yours. It's not like something you picked off the internet for sure. Yeah. And then, you know, other friends of ours in our circle, it might be Aubrey sending me something. It might be, oh, cool. Like Mickey Willis sent Mm. something, you know, great people in, but like they're all independent thinkers and they don't usually watch the news. Yes. (laughs) So I'll take a look at that. And, um, but yeah, so I'll have these raw materials and then for the comedy process, I'll, I'll create a story uh, with this material and you know, whether it's performed in a skit or it's performed like, Hey, I'm the newscaster. I'm here to manipulate your mind. Fucking killing that lately. And, and, and so with those raw materials, much like the chef doesn't just like, here's a plate of the vegetables. No, the chef does something with them. So I'll flavor it up with sarcasm, satire. And sometimes it's how the ingredients are strung together. So I'll uh, get to show hypocrisy so Fauci said this, and then he said the opposite thing two months later. Yeah. And um, so presenting both factual accounts of what he said word for word. And a lot of times I'll like have the words on the screen, but pre- having them presented back to back creates a, a fun way to not only show hypocrisy, but it's also done by like, hey, these are as much as we can, as much as I can get. Uh, facts. Facts is an interesting word, by the way. Wow. (laughs) Compared to a year ago, the word fact had a lot of respect to it. And now, you know, like with fact checkers, (laughs) it's like, all right, like, do you want the facts or do you want the truth? Because now there's a fucking difference. Please break that down for people, for people who haven't watched Plandemic or any of these other documentaries that have come out and exposed exactly what this fact checking hypocrisy is yeah you know so i i think a, and you know i'll sound like a conspiracy theorist here which by the way we like, are by the way we're a conspiracy theorist friendly podcast yeah and we're both in the club like, <laughs> hell yeah the tattoo and also you know I, I think there's a how there's insults thrown around to like try to discredit people automatically so you don't have to either consider what they're saying or you don't have to have your narrative challenged and your conspiracy theorists. That's one of those like, cool, like let's automatically discount your whole being, your whole life, everything you have to say and kind of like suggest it's a mistake that you were even born. So I have fun with that. I think it's hilarious. That's something people do. Um, but what was the question? I forgot. Well, no, it's like the, the whole, like people, you know, and I had done it for years. What's fucking Snopes say about oh, this thing? Sure. And it's, they're all in bed together. And there's like, Snopes yeah. is like a man and his wife. And he's doesn't seem like a very good person in general, yeah. but there's, it's not, it's again, it's just this facade where, you know, it's almost like Oz. There's like this little man behind there who has his own special interests involved. Yeah. And then he's tied in with, the bigger corporations and they're just feeding you what they want. And I love in pandemic, you know, uh, Mickey Willis and, you know, Dr. David Martin would challenge any of the fact checkers and they would say, this has been debunked. And he would send them an email and finally they respond and they would 
they would agree. Oh yeah, okay. Well, would you make a public statement? And then they just ghosted crickets. Yeah, right. I think a better term for fact checkers would be narrative validators. Ah, and Ooh. you know, independent fact checkers. It's a little bit of a manipulative, misleading term. They're not independent at all. And they're sometimes they're checking facts with their best knowledge and other times I don't think they are. And the idea that, hey, these fact checkers have never been wrong. And uh, every time they accuse you of not being factual, they're right 100% of the time. Like, you know, there's never been a human on earth that's been able to achieve that level of track record. And so I, I have concern anytime people are encouraged to discount what seems to be true for them in favor of outsourcing their truth to authorities that don't deserve the authority and the power that they try to get you to give them. And I think fact checkers are that do you, I'm something blew my mind. I just saw it on Instagram. Do you follow Tim Kennedy on Instagram? I do. I happen to be wearing one of his shirts here. But sheepdog, yeah, he posted something on Instagram just the other day about how fact checkers fact check fact checked a piece of art as false. What the piece of art was, Tim posted it. It's a a painting of a beautifully done painting of a lady where she was wearing a mask, but the mask was made out of hands over her face. Mm And it being a piece of art, you could have your own interpretation. Like, what does that mean? This piece of art, it was a painting that didn't say anything. It was a piece of art. And it was censored from Instagram. It, you know, the, the, I would call it the, the mild degree of censoring where it was blurred out. Come it was on. Said, it said this was fact check is false. But you could still click to see the post. Come on. And it's art. Dude. Um, fuck you, fact checkers. <laughs> that's a fact. Yes. I mean, I'm laughing, but that's terrifying. That's yeah. 1984. That's, this is the shit that's Let's happening. Burn the books, take the art. What are we doing to the culture? What are, how are we assaulting truth? It, it is a, it's not just a slippery slope, but we're sliding down the slope and we can choose to go with it. Like, okay, fact checkers, cool. Or whoever, um, let me surrender the sovereignty of my own thinking to you. Yeah. Or we can say like, no, like I will think for myself. And if we live in a society where there's never been more social reward for shaming people who think for themselves. So to think for yourself, unless you coincidentally automatically think 100% in line with the mainstream narrative, unless that's the case, when you're thinking for yourself now, you have to have a degree of bravery or else you'll be intimidated away from touching the hot stove of keeping the sovereignty of your own thinking. Mm, dude, and you've, you, you've been in that battle, really a battle, I would say, for nine months. And so I'm curious, I'm curious about a lot of it. Um, so let me just start with, was there a moment where you're just like, fuck, I don't know. Like it was pretty, there was something nice about 
doing what I was doing before because the, <laughs> it's getting a little hot in here. Yeah. Yes. Um, there's been many of those moments where there's, yeah, I mean, you said it like, fuck, I don't know. It used to be like so much easier. And, um, and that's, again, that's a bit of fantasy thinking too. We all do that, right? Oh, yeah. back then it was like, so we're, we're, but it's, it was safer. Yeah. It, so yeah, there's moments of it and yet there's never been the temptation to, you know, back away from the mission, but there's like, yeah, I do. Okay. Just whatever. I need to catch my breath and like, fuck, we're in the olden days were kind of easy. Um, yeah, man. So there's, I think one of the moments there was, um, um, a strike against my YouTube channel and, um, you know, and, and that's challenging cause how many, uh, subscribers do you have? Uh, right now 1.7 million. So if I was deplatformed on YouTube, I'd be a game changer. I, I don't want to be deplatformed on YouTube. I, I love being on it. And I think as much as I think there's challenges with big tech, like it's fucking blessings with big tech and what they offer. Yes. And while I don't agree with a lot of the censorship, I realize it's a thing. So I like to understand what are they censoring? What are they going to deplatform? So I can say what I have to say crafty enough without setting off the tripwires. What was the thing that got you the strike? So, yeah, I, I woke up one morning uh, not too long ago and there's a strike it's like i violated community guidelines it's like well thank you for the specific information but for what so it was a video i posted maybe two two three months ago it was called the deadliest disease in the world now in the video i was making a case for how intelligence is the deadliest disease in the world and we need to do what we can to eradicate intelligence off the face of the earth it's kind of like it was my way of saying Think for yourself. Yeah, yeah. It, that's you know, fucking brilliant. The, the backwards so. thing, like hand over your intelligence because like it's deadly. So just believe what I have to tell you. Yes. Um, but in, in nowhere in that, it, I'm thinking like of all videos, like yeah, this one, what are you talking about? So I appealed the strike and later that day, they removed the strike because it's like I actually, I said nothing about COVID. I said nothing that was actually violating um, but you know, like for half that day, I'm, I'm sweating. It's like, okay. What, what do you get? I'm just assuming you get three strikes three and then strikes and you're deplatformed. Can so, you come back after the three strikes or you're just no, done? You're done. And you can't start up as a new, can you start a new YouTube, new, it, a new channel? Yeah. Uh, it's a great question. I think they try to ban the person. So if they figure it out, like, Hey, you're, you're yeah, just like, posting on Amber's channel, your wife's yeah. channel. They're like, no. Who's this redhead chick? With? <laughs> um, so, man, yeah, there's been, there, there's been times of that or, you know, with negative comments online, which in perspective for every one negative comment, there's 10,000 supportive comments. Your I, ratios are amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to at all pretend to paint myself into a, place of victimization there's never been more support for my work and really it's not about my work it's about the mission that people are supporting people love freedom freedom from fear from both sides of the aisle i mean like freedom cool you be you that's freedom like that's awesome so 
Well, there's never, you know, and, and also just to give you a taste, like on my YouTube videos, the like ratio compared to dislike ratio, it's 98.5%, which is just ridiculously high. I mean, it's hard to make a video about anything with such a high like ratio. So just yeah. with the context, there's never been more support. It's still, you know, if there's a negative comment, which I put zero weight in, but I might see like my wife saw it. And she's getting, you know, bummed about something like, you know, she's getting angry on my behalf or something, you know, uh, uh, like a troll is saying about me, you know, like I, I feel for her. It's like, I'm, it doesn't hurt me, but like now it's hurting me that I might see her hurt if it hit one of her hot buttons. So that might be a time it's like, man, when I was just making videos about gluten, like it was easier, even though. People would, of course, get offended about gluten as well. Of course. Um, so, yeah, man, it, you know, uh, reference my friend Tim Kennedy one more time. Yeah. He's got a great saying, you can either choose dangerous freedom or peaceful slavery. A life of peaceful slavery uh, isn't a life worth living. And uh, nobody can sentence you to peaceful slavery except you. Yet a life of dangerous freedom means, you know, you embrace bravery. You embrace discomfort. I think that's how we grow. And that is what allows you to be a free person. Yeah, you know. So I'm not perfect, but I do my best to edge in that direction of, cool, I'll, I'll take the discomfort. I'll take needing to be a braver person than I was yesterday, even though it's uncomfortable but I'll do my best to edge in that direction. Yeah, man, the work you've been doing, um, you know, it's, well, I I don't really care if people appreciate it. I appreciate it. (laughs) You know, I really hope people, fuck that. Like I, it's, um, and I, I, I don't throw this word around lightly, but it's truly inspiring. You know, I look at you, I look at Mickey Willis, you know, our brother here who's, who's done tremendous work you guys put yourself out there and you did have a, a really nice kind of easy, fun life making videos about celery juice and, (laughs) you know, and that shit was really funny. And, uh, and that's cool, right? There's nothing wrong with that, but what you're doing right now, it's, it's that whole, you know, (laughs) I actually just thought (laughs) how appropriate, the lions waking up the other lions and you with yeah. your beautiful red mane, you know, waking up <laughs> the other lions. And I think that's what the work that you're doing is why it's so important. Cause it's not only it's funny and it's able, honestly, like able to consume what's going on in a way that's digestible. It's like, mm-hmm. ah, okay, I get it. And yeah, that actually supports my suspicions about what the fuck is going on. And I know you've done your homework. So it's like, okay, there's, there's a lot of truth in that. But I feel like by, you know, and I think because we have a relationship too, and because I have a relationship with Mickey now, it's truly, it's really hit me in a place where it's like, okay, what's, what's my act of service in this space? Cause it's not making comedy videos and it's not putting out a documentary, but like, how can I, start to push those edges of my discomfort and can I do it in a way that, you know, anybody can put something out there to trigger somebody can post repost something. I try to be very mindful of that. And and just knowing that try to share information just to get people to 
think a little bit for themselves to question it. Like, yeah. can they question? And then it's like, can, and, and, and I feel like for now, and obviously having people like you on the podcast is really important because we get to talk about these things in a safe way. And it's like two guys talking about these things and how it affects us and what we feel is happening. And so I want to thank you for the work you've done and continue to do because I, I know there's a lot of pushback. I know there's a shit ton of support, but the pushback can be really hard. Even if it's like one person, that one comment, and I think you do, how I know you do a masterful job of letting that slide. I'm sure there are times it gets through and really fucking <laughs> Yo, fuck hurts. you. Son of a bitch. But I'm also curious, you know, you mentioned Amber. Have there been times when she's like, ugh, like, this is too much for me. No, no, she's, um, she, she is so brave. She is, and man, she, she follows her heart mm. that if there's any fault she has, is she follows her heart and her and it, I, we certainly don't agree on everything. I don't think no two humans do yet with a lot of what we see going on in the world where our perspectives happen to be pretty aligned so her heart says like like this is the mission like this truth needs to get out and you know she yeah she is the biggest cheerleader of my work um so no she's she's never said like this too much that might be like jp you're working too much come spend time with me and i'm like oh shit you're right and i'd love to spend time with you but man, she is brave. She is such a heart-driven person. Uh, she, man, when she was in her early 20s, she sold all her belongings and went backpacking in Australia for a year as a, a 22, 23-year-old. I mean, talk about bravery, backpacking across Europe by herself. I wouldn't recommend that. But that's, I mean, dangerous freedom. That's that's her ethos. I don't know how long that's been in her lifeblood, but it's been long, long before I knew her. So she, she, she inspires me and, and yeah. And she inspires me to be more true to the, the mission, uh, more brave, more intelligent. If that's possible. I've, I've I don't know. You're right there around the 99th percentile. I didn't want to bring it up, Cal, but it's very humble of you to want to talk about how intelligent I am. But please say more about it. Yes, you are. <laughs> um, and I will say, true friends, yourself. Like, man, like the support of true friends, which isn't like JP, I believe, I, I agree with everything you say. Fuck that. That's not a true friend. Yeah. But a true friend is I support you saying what you have to say and seeing how you've been a true friend, like with Mickey. Like, I mean, the, the amount of smear campaigns going against that beautiful human, it's, I love freedom of speech, but like, no, that's kind of fucking criminal. We know the man. We know oh he, God, that he is such a heartfelt person with the best of intentions and the amount of research he goes in, he takes to present any level of information. I mean, that guy deserves some kind of Nobel Prize, but the level of smear campaigns from some organizations that feel tremendously threatened by his work, the smear campaigns against him, you know, like you bring up his name and, 
to the average person, they're like, dude, that he's a bigger conspiracy theorist than uh, Alex Jones or whatever. But the way you like seeing people like yourself, like, yeah, Mickey's my friend. I love him. Love his work. Have him on the podcast. It's like, man, that inspires me. Seeing brave people be brave yourself, Mickey, uh, you know, our mutual friend, Aubrey Marcus yeah. put out his, oh, beautiful, his video, um, revolution, such a beautiful gift to humanity. And it took a lot of bravery for him yeah. to put that out. Yeah. And, you know, it's, you know, Mickey and I recorded a podcast right around new year's and I haven't, haven't released it. And we talked about it and he's like, we can't release it right now because they're dragging him through the mud. He's like, our conversation was so beautiful. He goes, I want people to hear it and they're not going to be able to hear it right now. And Mm. to your point, I've met few men, few people in my life like Mickey. Yeah. And what I've seen happen with him, if that doesn't wake me up, if the man I know, if that doesn't wake me up, like what is ever, what am I ever going to do anything about that? And just be true to like, okay, how do I feel and why do I feel that way? And, and can I share it in a way that is more kind of community building versus being divisive? I know people are going to be triggered, but that's their work to do. Yeah. It's not put out there to trigger people. Yeah. You know, I think there's a difference there. And I think your energy is, is very similar. You're like, this is how I feel and I can wrap it up in a lot of comedy. So it's fun for people, Yeah, but it's your truth. And it's all obviously done with, like I said, you said earlier, like with a lot of research. Yeah. It, you know, I, I think you can't say anything with substance today without some people getting triggered. I mean, you say the most liberal point of view, conservatives get triggered and, and vice versa. You, you, share a, a like we should be in lockdown longer people get triggered well, i just want freedom and you say well i think we should have freedom other people get triggered well we should have lockdowns for longer so i think people speaking their truth is so beautiful and being willing to speak their truth anybody's truth whatever it is knowing some people will get triggered by truth Horse shit doesn't trigger people. Plain it safe, vanilla statements, agreeable shit doesn't trigger anybody, but it doesn't help anybody either. But, you know, I don't think what the world needs anything more of is triggering people for the sake of shock value, triggering people uh, with the intention of triggering people. But if people get triggered with a consequence of your intention of sharing truth, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit of a wake up. Um, Speaking of wake up, we were discussing earlier that your son is only waking up once in the middle of the night, so he's coming up on eight weeks old. Yeah. Share with everyone what it's like to be a father right now. Yeah, man. Well, first off, I know you had a gathering the evening he was born. Oh, yes. So I I had my, like, Cal can't make it. Wilder's being born today. So it was fun to send you that message. Being a father is the best experience of my life. I mean, you know, I'm 39 years old, so I I say that from my 39-year-old place of ignorance slash wisdom. I know when I'm 59, I'll look back like, dude, 39-year-old JP, you didn't know anything. Yet, you know, I've been able to create some stability in my life compared to what I would have been in my mid-20s. So 
feel so grateful that he arrives at this time in my life. I feel like I'm able to be very present with him and I know what matters. Like the idea of like work at the expense of not seeing my family. Mm, no, I'm, I of course still work and I love working hard, but man, I, I'm, I'm glad I know what, what matters and dear God, the amount of love, the feel of the love, like when he came out, came out of my wife, it just hit me like a tidal wave washing over me. And anytime I'm in his presence, I feel like, I feel like I'm on MDMA. Anytime I'm in his presence before he was born, parents would always say to me, JP, the type that the level of love you feel a child for a child, you'll, you have no clue what it's like. And like, I believe you, but like, I can't know it. And you're annoying me. So like, <laughs> yeah, I don't enough. have a kid yet. Yeah, exactly. But now that he's born, it's like, I get it. And now I'm that guy telling people like, you don't know what it's like you know, loving a child. It's just the best thing. So dude, and everything is just a miracle about him. Like seeing him smile. That's a miracle. It just lights me up. And I feel so connected to God, seeing him smile and cry just in seeing the way my wife mothers him. It's like, whoa, that's a force of nature. And I really, man, I, I, the level of respect I have for the power of a woman giving birth, there's nothing a man can do that approaches that level of power, period. Yeah, and surrender, right? Yes. That's, I think that's, what's, it's interesting. What, what that brings up for me is yesterday I, I went and did a, a past life regression session. Have you ever done one of those? Yeah. Well... I didn't get to a past life, unfortunately, but I, I worked through some stuff in this lifetime. And when I was an infant, um, I assume around a year old, I had this vision of me um, standing up in my crib, holding onto the bars and crying. Mm. And when I went back, to heal that, the woman I had come get me was Peyton. Hmm. And it just, for me, it brought to mind just what you're talking about, just her ability to mother and care and love. Like I, you know, we talked about this earlier before we got on. I, my experience was as a, was like 29, no, I was 13. Jake's 18, I'm 49, so I was 31, 31 years old um, as a dad. And I was trading up in Chicago, and I had a lot of things going on, um, arguably less than what you have going on. So when I say a lot of things going on, I don't mean in that traditional sense. I was just so unplugged from who I was in my heart, and I didn't understand what that relationship was. You know, I was still like, I'm here to provide and to do this and whatever the stories were that I was living in. And so it was very unconscious time for me. So, and I told you this earlier, but I love when I, dude, I saw you when, when Amber was pregnant, I was over at your house for the podcast and just the way you were glowing and excited. 
Like you, I know you're going to be an amazing dad just because you got it. Mm. And it just, it gives, I just love seeing men in particular, because I think women is very instinctual, but for men, I love seeing men like you just fully embrace that love. Mm. And I know you've done a shit ton of work on yourself to be able to do that. And uh, I know a good friend of ours had told you like, hey, if you don't really feel a connection in the beginning, it's okay. And, yeah. and I could relate to what he was saying. Yeah. Because my whole orientation was, well, they don't really need me. They need mama because she's breastfeeding and this and that. So I would make up all these reasons why, you know, I'm just kind of here. <laughs> just kind of here. You know, and just so disconnected. And so yeah. I, I love hearing you glow about Amber. As a mom. Yeah, man. It is a force of nature seeing her mother. And and thank you for your kind words. Like I don't I don't know if I'm a good dad. Have Wilder on the podcast in 25 years, have him let you know how tell good all. or bad or father. But the one thing that's in my control is I can love every damn day as much as I can. And I can always do my best. And I guarantee Wilder will get his emotional wounds, but they'll all come out of love and ignorance from me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man. Yeah. It, it's such a gift. It really is. It, it, at least for me, my, my time, my situation, it is the greatest gift. And my mom was in town recently and seeing her hold my son, oh. like, holy hell, next level, like found a piece of my heart. I didn't know was there. And, wow. you know, when during Amber's pregnancy up until now, I've never cried more in my life. You know, I, I would, I've shared this with Amber many times, like bef while she was pregnant, I would just, anytime I would think about Wilder being born and then him laying on her chest, I would just start crying. Wow. And then the day he was born, labor was 18 hours. It was pretty damn tough um, on me. Amber had an easy time. <laughs> Hardest thing I've ever done. Uh, but man, I, I cried more that day than any other day. And when he was born, like came out, Amber and I just, you know, blissful tears, ec ecstatic tears. And, and yeah, man, so I, I think my son has helped me find so much of my heart that I, I needed this soul to direct me towards. So it's like, yeah, I, I love my son. He is such a great gift and he's helped me find more of me and I'm a great gift for me as yes. well. And that's beautiful. And um, just to get everyone up to speed, that was, you know, years ago, but you know, today I do have those relationships with each of my kids that are getting me into my heart and they're teaching me, you know, really how to love in a deep way. Uh, relationships that I just never thought possible because I didn't know. And um, so if anybody is out there is listening, it's like it's never too late. Yeah. And um, they really are. I mean we say they're a great gift da, 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 da. like you're, you're embodying that right now. And like, you really mean that. Um, 
And when people say they are our greatest teachers, they are if we're paying attention. If we're paying attention. So wise, what you just said. And it's true. It's like, what are, what are they trying to teach us? And to, to kind of take off the parental role of, I, I know what's right and directing them. Like, they don't really need that. They just need you to see them, to hear them, to hold space, for, to let them do whatever they need to do. This is for the older kids, not necessarily the eight-week-olds. <laughs> but to really, um, I think that's what's allowed me to really connect with each of my kids is I see them for who they are, and they aren't me. They never will be me. They may have some aspects of them that are like me, but I'm not trying to make them into versions of me. I'm trying to model good behavior. Sometimes I fuck that up. But by and large... How can I hold space for them and all the stuff they're going through? They're 18, 15, and 13. They've got all their own stuff. They don't need more shit coming down from dad. They don't, you know. They need to know that everything is okay. That when they quote unquote fuck up, like I try not to use the word disappointed. You know, I try to be very clear like, I'm just trying to give you feedback on what I'm seeing. I know I don't know what it's like to be a 13-year-old girl. I don't, you know, but I'm trying to just let you know, like, this is what I'm seeing. Like, but I honor, like, how you feel and why you did what you did. And and so it's been a real lesson, especially within this last year has been just a, there's been a tremendous opportunity to, um, for me to really grow and learn from them. Fuck, man, you just, you just... I never knew, I never really knew that was possible. Yeah. You know, one of the greatest gifts uh, that I think any child can hope for, whether you're a child who's 40 years old, you know, you've got your parents or you've got your, your offspring. The greatest gift any child could hope for is for their parents to encourage them to be themselves. Dear son, Please don't be who I want you to be. Please don't be the surrogate for my unfulfilled dreams. Dear son, please know I'm not going to weaponize love and withhold it when you're not fitting what you think I want you to be. Dear son, I'm going to be a student and I want you to teach me who you are and we'll discover it together and I'll love who you are, not who I want you to be. To me, that is the greatest hope any child could have for their, uh, for their parents to relate to them. And, and I think it's beautiful seeing what you do with your children and your perspective. And I would also like, man, like getting inside the minds of your kids, like seeing their dad transform. Like, first mm-hmm. off, that's got to be confusing Very. from a, a guy. And, and please forgive me if I, project inaccurate details at you, but going from a guy who's super work focused, maybe never really worked on himself to going to a guy who does a lot of work on himself and is very into transformation and serving a higher purpose and loving those around him with all his heart. That's got to mean something to the kids to witness, whether they know it now or they don't know it now, it's got to be a powerful influence. Yeah, it's, thank you. Thank you. And they definitely think I'm weird, but it's like a good weird, (laughs) you know? In fact, yesterday I was bringing, you know, my, my daughter to school 
And I'm like, when I drop you off, I'm going over to do this thing called past life regression. It's like yeah, we have weird. these lifetimes and, you know, some people believe that we're souls that are reincarnated. And that's kind of what I believe. And so I'm curious, like, what else have I done? Like, was I in some sort of concubine? Like, what's the, you know, what's my past life been? And then when I saw her last night, I'm like, I never got past this lifetime. I kind of <laughs> failed. But she was like super curious about it where a year ago, I don't think we would have had a conversation about it. I would have felt a little bit too much weirdness around it. I probably would have said something just to, just to see her reaction. But she was like asking questions. And it was like really cool to have that space open with her. Yeah. You know? So I want to talk about challenges now, you know, challenges in general with your work, certainly bringing Wilder in, into this world create some scheduling challenges. What do you do to mitigate that? Like, how do you, are you just super structured on your time? Well, I think the biggest thing I do about it is a formula where I fuck up and then I learn. Uh, then I try to do something about it. Like, yeah. Cool, let's do it differently. And it, <laughs> then it just means next time I fuck up a millimeter less, then formula repeats, fuck up a milliliter, millimeter less. So, um, yeah, man, it, it, you know, we're, we're constantly finding what doesn't work, improving a little bit. Um, yeah. So one of the, I think right now we're, we're in a pretty good balance, still learning where it's like, we, we learn like, cool. The morning is prime time for my creativity and it's, you know, it, it supports the family, serves the purpose. So morning times we found like cool, like she'll take the baby, um, dialing in and, and then, you know, I think there's a level of spontaneity like yesterday afternoon, I was getting ready to go into the garage and work out. Like I just finished, you know, a stretch of work and Amber had been with Wilder for a couple hours, but it's like, cool, it's my time to work out. She went to the gym earlier in the day. I'm going to go work out, but I, you know, just check in with her. I wanted to, you know, say hey to her and Wilder. And I could see she's just struggling. I said, babe, let me take the baby. Uh, she said, well, you're going to work out. I'm like, I would much rather be with him and give you, I could see you, you need to do what you got to do, take a walk or whatever it was. And, and uh, yeah, and she could really use the break and not to say like, hey, I'm a picture perfect husband. It's like, no, I I probably missed for every 10 times that's needed. I probably missed nine of them, but I found an opening where I could support her. And I don't know and, about those numbers. But. <laughs> I don't know. But it's like, yeah, in the moment, being with my son, that's more important than working out right now. Yeah, man. And then, and then it takes a village. You know, we're, we're still working on the village. Um, you know, none of us have family that live in Austin. So, mm -hmm. you know, we're in the process of, you know, getting some part-time help with nanny, uh, nannying. So we're working on that. Um, I think a lot to be learned, but man, yeah, the, the formula of fuck up, try to learn, try to do something different. Uh, <laughs> that's the formula we're working with right now. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. That, that, that example of you going to work out, Oh brother, that brings up some memories for me that I just have to I have to sit with and I have to accept because I had a garage gym in Chicago and I would 
if I even thought that I might not work out, I would bypass checking in with Peyton or whatever. Because <laughs> I wanted it, like, I was such a dick about it. But again, it goes back to this unconscious behavior and not being, like, you had the, 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 the obviously presence of mind, but you were present in, like, what's more important right now? I can spend time with my son. Like, I'm going to be okay if I don't work out today. I didn't have that ability to switch that off. It's like, I need to work out five days a week. It's my time. It's my sanctuary. It's my whatever. And I would just do it. And without thought about how anybody else was impacted and Peyton shouldered so much of that. You know, it's hard to sit with that sometimes. I know there's nothing I can do about it. So I do, I accept it. Um, And I have so much gratitude even though the, you know from that as you can imagine there was some resentment that came out of that from her <laughs> i couldn't imagine how that would be <laughs> i know uh, she must be what unevolved <laughs> resentment that's not a very empowering emotion <laughs> exactly <laughs> you know but now here i sit like i go work out when i want to and i have fun and if the kids are like what like i i just go with what feels good good yeah you know and there's no sense of i need to work up because i need to do this and i need to be strong and like chasing all these imaginary things that i thought were important yeah i've done plenty of chasing i'm sure i i still am you know but you know the things that aren't important that i'm chasing i still think are important so Mm -hmm. it's kind of like you learn in hindsight but yeah man i've done a lot of chasing and you know one of the things I've chased, you know, on the topic of scheduling, that's different. You know, my comedy touring, you know, in years past, it'd be like, cool, like 10 weekends in a row. Fine, let's go. But this year, you know, with foresight, I've said like, okay, like no more than two weekends in a row Then I need two weekends off. Not for me, but for Wilder for yeah. Amber and I'm going to, you know, we'll bring them with me any, any time Amber wants to come. So it's like things like that. And then of course, like, you know, left of my own devices, like I'll work from sun up to well past sundown, but now it's like, cool at, you know, six o'clock. Like I want to be like, this is family time. If I have more shit I want to do. Awesome. I'll do it after they go to bed. And there's times where I'm, I'm staying up to three, sometimes four. If I'm like in a creative flow, it's like I would, you know, I know sleep's important and I, I do my best to get good sleep. But at times, like when it's like, okay, work more at 6 p.m. and see less of the family, be less supportive to them. Or tonight I'll get a lot less sleep, but I get my family time. And then like, cool, here's the creative time so I can honor the creative muse. So that's been an adjustment as well. Uh, which is actually working out pretty good with how the schedule is uh-huh. calibrating in post, uh, post-birth. Well, yeah, and I think you bring up a really important point because if you're working through that 6 o'clock on period, there's something, there's that little splinter in your brain that's saying, fuck, I, 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 you're not fully present because you're, you know yeah. there's something not quite right about this. Yeah, I, it's like it's guilt. And yep. it's very healthy guilt. Yes. And so when you honor that time, then you get into that creative space. They're sleeping and, and you're, 
you're just working from inspiration. So you can work till three in the morning. And yeah. like, I know you made the comment about your sleep, but anyone who's ever been in that creative flow, you don't need much sleep because you're going to get up the next day. You're just feeling it. You're on it and you're just doing the work. Right. You know, being up to 3 a.m. because you were doing stuff that serves your life's purpose is way different than I was up to three because I was drinking or I was even watching Netflix. Right. Very different. You, the energy signature the next day is different. Yeah. And I think I, I, I love that. And I, I think a lot of us, I've certainly made this mistake a lot in the past is, you know, I'd be in my office, like doing some emails or something. And one of the kids would be like, Hey, do you want to go out and play basketball? It's like, yeah, I'll, I'll be right there. And, and then it's like 10 minutes, 15, and I'd get stuck in something. And just, I finally had the, the awareness that whatever I'm doing is not, it's not that important. It can totally wait. There's this notion of you want to check those things off the list and just get them out of your get mind. Get that dopamine hit with that check mark. Yes. And we, we lose sight of your kid is reaching out. My son, my daughter's reaching out. And whatever I'm doing, if I'm on a phone call for something like, sure, like I need to finish that phone call. But there are so many times when I just put a, 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 an inflated value on what I was engaged in. Yeah. Part of it is we do get in a little bit of a flow, so it's understandable, sure. but we're not seeing the signals sometimes that they're reaching out. And sometimes they just stop reaching out because you stop mm. answering, you keep letting them down. Yeah, I'm sure I'll have many lessons learned when you know Wilder's old enough to reach out, come in my office and like, hey, dad, you want to do this? And I'll, I'll do my best, but I'm sure I'll look back and just like you're so humbly doing and be like, fuck. Uh, uh. There's nothing else to do, but, you know, just own it and accept it. And as you said, like, just try to learn from it. Like, how can I not do and And it will happen again. I mean, like, I'm going to make a misjudgment of how important the thing is I'm doing, but that's okay. Hopefully it's a lot shorter time. And then, you know, uh, I, I kind of make amends much sooner. But <laughs> anyway. Tell me this, a couple of final questions. What are you hoping like to inspire to like, you know, you're awakened. Like, what are you hoping to awaken with people right now with your work? Uh, yeah, great question. Uh, I hope to awaken people to the wisdom of their hearts and the intelligence of their minds. Period. I, I think an individual's heart knows best. And I think their, their mind analyzes best for them and their situation. I have the utmost respect for humans. My favorite thing on earth mm. by far. Dolphins are second. Mm. Uh, How about Veda? Veda uh, yeah, so my dog Veda, she, yeah, she ranks above humans. <laughs> Man, the wisdom of the human heart and the intellect of someone's mind you can't go wrong. You know, there, there's a reason why there's 8 billion people on earth. And, and while we have a lot of similarities, we also, we're all different. Nobody's the same. Thank God. Just like I was saying earlier, God help us all if we all thought the same. Yet right now, there is an assault on diversity of perspectives mm. where 
we've kind of got this thing going of like, mm, we're going to cancel culture your fucking ass if you dare think outside of this really narrow window of acceptability. And so we don't have diversity. We have the illusion of diversity, which, you know, thank God we're trending in the right direction of racial diversity. We, our nation certainly has a lot to heal there yet who we really are isn't defined on the outside. Of course, that's a little bit of it, but we're not who we are on the surface. We're not just our skin color. There's what our heart feels. There's what our mind thinks, not the thoughts put into our brain that we recirculate because we watch the news. So I, I think each individual's expression is very important. And the mission really is to help awaken people to their God-given miracle of their heart and their mind. And, and which, by the way, I, I don't think the heart ever leads someone wrong. You know, I don't think someone's heart ever says, go hurt your neighbor, no. go burn that building, go punch that person, go shoot that person. Nope, I don't think that fucking person's following their heart. That's no. why they're doing very destructive stuff. And, you know, one of the problems we don't have in our world is people feeling too fulfilled. I think we have the opposite problem where a lot of people don't feel fulfilled enough. So they're they're trying to fill themselves up with shit that inherently doesn't fulfill them. It, it's all external. Yeah. It might be, okay, authority, let me be more obedient to you, yeah. get that. Or like, okay, let's watch nine hours of Netflix today to see if that's enough. It might be sugar. It might be alcohol. It might be accomplishments. It might be, give me the list. I'll be a workaholic. But all those things that don't truly fulfill a person we get addicted to. So I think we're living in a drought of fulfillment. And I think the only way we can fulfill ourselves is by following our own heart and navigating with our own mind. So if, if there's one wish of what my work can help a person do even a little bit, it would be awakened to the wisdom of their heart and the brilliance of their own mind. Mm, beautiful. And tell me this. What gives you hope that we're going to get there? Because we're not there. Yeah. People are waking up, but there's a lot of resistance. There's a lot of resistance we've seen from social media, yeah. the corporations, big data, whatever you want to call it. There's a, there's a lot of resistance and they're powerful as fuck. Yeah. So what gives you hope that we're going to get there? Dude, yeah, I'm so optimistic. I'm glad you asked. What gives me the hope is the people have the power, you know, like the illusion that we can live in is dude, I need Facebook. I, I need Facebook. So like, Oh, like uh, big tech might throw me off and then I would be nothing without Facebook. I'd have no following and no way to accrue social currency through likes and stuff. Such an illusion. We don't need Facebook. Guess what? Facebook needs us. Big tech is nothing without us. We've been living under the hypnotic trance of disempowerment that says we're nothing Ooh. without Facebook. We're nothing without YouTube. We're nothing without Instagram. Ugh, we're, we're nothing without money. No, no, no. 
that is all nothing without us. People are waking up to their power. And, you know, I, over the past what, year or so, I've gone through times of pessimism. It's like, oh, dude, mm. no, big tech sensory. That's like, fuck, when there's no hope. <laughs> and luckily, you know, that's for hours at a time. I don't sit there. <laughs> but there, there was one of the great validators of hope for me this past fall um, and you know, midsummer onward, I did a lot of touring doing stand-up comedy. I went everywhere from Portland to Florida and everywhere that like, that's the two extremes, by the way, like Portland. Oh fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Super, super liberal, super let's lock down for 10 years and then check in. And then Florida is, we're not locked down and pretty conservative and then everywhere in between. So, you know, and I toured my butt off. I went to a lot of cities. So I got to meet people on the ground and have conversations and not get like, Hey, what's happening in our country from news clips that may or may not Mm. have their agenda Mm. of manipulating the perspective. So from Portland to Florida, everywhere in between, I saw people who have never been more awake for people who are not giving their power away to sources that don't deserve their power. So seeing eyeball to eyeball with uh, tens of thousands of people over the course of this tour, it it filled me with hope. It's like, this is the reality. Okay. This is the reality. People have never been more awake and we all have more awakening to do both as a collective and as individuals, not saying we're done. It'd be boring if we were done. Yeah, for sure. Luckily there's still time on the time on the clock. We get to have more fun with this game. So bro, seeing humans has never given me more hope. Now you turn on the news. Yes. My my hope, if I start to believe, then hope's going to dwindle. Look at like, dude, you know, these monopolies of big tech formed together to form a super monopoly and they de-platform this competing organization parlor and whether you like it or not, like, holy fuck, like, I start to lose hope. But guess what? Like, that's not reality. Right. Reality is people in front of you. Yeah. It's amazing. I love that. And I, because I, I'm glad... I'm glad that's been your experience because, you know, like most people, I haven't, you know, traveled like you have in the past year. And I just wonder, uh, personally, because we're in such an amazing fucking community here in Austin that it doesn't feel real in Mm -hmm. a sense. There's so much acceptance. There's um, so much openness. There's a lot of curiosity. There's no grandstanding. And, um, I'm like, am I just insulated from what's going on out there? Um, because the images I see otherwise are what you're saying on the news. And I understand the business model of the news is to show those people who are fighting versus the people that we're surrounded by who are loving. And, um, I love hearing that, uh, you had such a profound experience being with people who are out there. Yeah. People are awesome. Yeah. Most of the time. Most of the, they suck. They definitely have their moments of sucking. 
Tell me this. With, with, <laughs> I, I did want to. I did want to ask you one other thing with regards to censorship and what's been happening. Have you been deplatformed from anywhere? Uh, I have not. Okay. No, I, you had I've, the one strike on YouTube that got taken off. One strike. Uh, yeah, on YouTube that was taken off. I've been demonetized on Facebook, now remonetized on Facebook. And I also, I don't know, two, three months ago, um, Facebook sent me a warning saying you're on the verge of having your page deleted. Um, and then, you know, there's been a few videos taken down, various posts censored. Um, but yeah, that's the the scope of the censorship. What other platforms are you using have you gotten into clubhouse at all no so uh, i haven't um drank the clubhouse kool-aid yet maybe i will but you know there's been a couple platforms first off i loved parlor and it it, (laughs) it's the the mainstream narrative on parlor yeah please break that down for people because they're just like it's a bunch of fucking right wing child you know they're pedophiles and they're racists and oh dude there there are complete assholes on all social media platforms 100 percent, including parlor and facebook and twitter so um that part's real but is it all assholes is like no and and if you think it's all assholes on parlor then why are you following all assholes (laughs) like you gotta ask yourself that question you know uh, (laughs) uh compared to other platforms, Parler will probably seem like it has more conservative people. And that's just by default, in my opinion, because conservative voices have been, you know, more unfairly censored on the other platforms. And I don't care if, you know, I don't identify as a conservative or a liberal. So I'm just as objectively as I can say that's sure. what I've seen. So, you know, I loved Parler and, Got to tell you a story about Parler real quick. I mentioned, I got a message from Facebook. Your page is on the verge of being deleted for violating our community guidelines. Like that, it's like, dude, on Facebook, I've, I've, this is a platform I've been a creator on, you know. I've, How many people follow you on Facebook? I think like 2.7 million. Fuck, There's, <laughs> You know, there's hundreds of millions of video views I've gotten on Facebook, which is cool for me, but like that's contributing to their platform. Facebook, nobody goes on Facebook if there aren't creators creating on Facebook, right. whether it's your, your grandma posting a, a picture or it's like, you know, you're a comedian posting a funny video. So it's like, fuck Facebook. Like that kind of feels like a slap in the face the very next day the CEO of parlor, uh, he, he, uh, sends me a message, uh, you know, on the public parlor, um, welcoming me to the platform. And it was such a stark contrast with Facebook literally insulting me and telling me like, I'm almost not worthy of being on their platform to the CEO of parlor personally reaching out and welcoming me to the platform. It's like, all right, like I know what's a human connection and not. So hopefully parlor will be able to come back. And I think they will. You think they will? Yeah. What's it going to take? I mean, obviously they, they they need to find a new web hosting service. Yeah. And and I know some of their other 
services have dropped them out of the, you know, this, them wanting to avoid cancel culture and like, let's just cancel you. Cause it's the, so they're, they've got their work cut out for them. Right. Hopefully they can survive. I think we need a diversity of different platforms for sure. Um, but I'll also share another great one that I found is me. We I've heard about it. Okay. So it's good. Best way to describe it is it's what Facebook used to be in the best sense of the term. So it's got all the Facebook features. You can post videos, the, you know, text posts, pictures, it, the look and functionality is very similar to Facebook, but how Facebook used to be. So here's the thing. There's no algorithm. I think people remember the glory days of Facebook, like (sighs) when it used to be cool to be on Facebook. Now it's kind of like, dude, like, what are you 90? Why are you on Facebook? It's a necessary evil. Yeah. Um, so people loved Facebook before the algorithms. And so MeWe doesn't have algorithms. You you post something and the posts just show up in chronological order, just like Facebook used to do. And then, which means like if you follow someone on MeWe, MeWe will show you their stuff. Whereas <laughs> if you follow someone on Facebook, usually then Facebook will minimize how much you see their stuff because we they want that public figure you follow to pay Facebook to show you their stuff. That's why the organic reach on Facebook sucks because part of Facebook's business model is trying to get creators or public figures to pay Facebook to boost their posts so the people that want to see their posts, that's why they follow the page in the first place, can see their posts. So... MeWe is also censorship-free with sensible community guidelines. You can't incite violence. I mean, it's like, it's sensible. But, you know, I I actually had a meeting with people at MeWe, and they're like, dude, you can talk about anything. You you can't do, you know, hate speech. And I'm talking about what hate speech actually is. Actually means, Now, like, dude, if you have a different opinion than me, that's fucking hate speech. No, (laughs) it's not the woke hate speech. It's what hate speech actually is. But he, he said, like, dude, you can talk about vaccines on here if you want. It's just, like, truly you can have a, a voice. You can have an opinion and a theory about yeah. stuff. Yeah, so I'm not someone who just, like, kind of does the Gary V thing of, like, hey, there's a new platform, so let me spend nine hours on that every day just because, like, let's do a land grab. It's like, no, I, I only want to take time to be on a new platform if it's going to offer something that meets a need and me, we does that. So I'm not a paid spokesperson for me. We, but it's like, yeah, I think me, we's pretty cool. Awesome. Frickin a, um, I had another question. I totally lost track of what it was. Cause I was engaged in the beautiful dissertation on me, we slash incoherent rant. <laughs> yeah. Where can people find you? Yeah, you know, uh, my website is probably the best spot. Uh, you can go to awakenwithjp.com and then on all the social medias, I'm also at awakenwithjp. Awesome. And any comedy shows coming up? This will release in the next couple of weeks. So, yeah, I'll, uh, next spot I'm at is Huntington, Alabama. Can't wait to be back there. And then a uh, whole bunch of spots. Uh, not even recalling. So you're going to be opening up though. When, when do, when do you go back on tour, so to speak? Oh, I think it's February 21st, give or take. Yeah. Okay. 
So go to JP's website, check out his tour dates, and um, all my fans out in Huntington, Alabama will be there. Yes! <laughs> Thanks for being here, brother. So great to sit Thank down with you today. Me. Thank you for having me, Cal. Yeah, much love. You've been listening to The Great Unlearn. For more information, check out the show notes or head over to thegreatunlearn.com for additional episodes and information regarding events, retreats, and the TGU store. If you like what you heard today, please click subscribe and share this with friends who might enjoy our platform. Don't forget to leave that five-star rating and review as it really helps us spread the love and unlearning. You can find me on Instagram at cal.callahan and on YouTube under The Great Unlearn. Thanks for listening to The Great Unlearn, and we'll talk soon. No, no different, only different in your mind. You must unlearn what you have learned.